0: Welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Michael da Silva, and I am your host for episode 22. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Sean Markle on the subject of imitation. What should we imitate? What should we not imitate? These are questions that are not only important for young children or young people making big decisions, but all of us, regardless of age and maturity. What or who am I imitating? We trust you will enjoy this episode and that it will challenge you to think through this subject and apply it a little more in your life as a Christian. Due to today's challenges, people want us to imitate each other. We don't like it when people go against the arrows in the grocery stores or places like Walmart. We don't like it when people encroach on our six-foot social distancing, spacing. We crave uniformity because of the crisis, but in the Bible there are certain things that we are encouraged to imitate, not just during a time of a pandemic or time of a struggle, but all the time. So in this podcast I would like to look at some of the things that we are encouraged to imitate. Oscar Wilde, who lived between 1854 and 1900, said that Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. So what is he saying? Mediocre just simply means to be of moderate quality and not very good. In Romans 7 and 18, Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 9, Paul refers to himself as the least of the apostles, and in Ephesians 8, 3, verse 8, he refers to himself as less than the least of all saints. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 15, the apostle Paul refers to himself as the chiefest of sinners. In short, Paul placed himself in that mediocre, or not very good category referred to by Oscar Wilde. Paul had a realistic view of himself in the light of what God sees. However, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. In verses 1 to 15, Paul outlines the work of a servant of Christ, and evangelist, and a spiritual father. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes that we should do all to the glory of God. Then at the beginning of chapter 11, he states, Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. By doing this, Paul outlines two very important points. First, just like Paul, all that we do should be for the glory of God, and not to promote ourselves. Second, he points out that all that Christ did was to the glory of God. So, when we think of what Christ did while he walked in this world of sin, we can be sure that all that he did was to bring glory to God. Twice, Jesus said that he came to do the will of the one that had sent him, in John chapter 4 and verse 34 and John chapter 6 verse 38. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he was sorrowful over what he was about to go through on the cross of Calvary because of your sins and mine, he said to his father, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Throughout his whole life, Jesus Christ always did what would bring glory to God. So Paul, in the same way, said that we should imitate this very way of life, constantly doing what brings glory to God, because that was what he tried to do. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul commends the saints in Thessalonica for their imitation of himself. And those who worked with him in the spread of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, in verse 6, Paul writes, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much afflictions with the joy of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, he commends them again, saying, For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. You might say, wow, Paul, are you serious? Are you commending them for being persecuted? Are you commending them for suffering? The answer would be yes, he was. Commending them for being persecuted, and he was commending them for suffering. It was because they were living a life to bring glory to God that they were being persecuted. It was because they were living a life to bring glory to God, that they were suffering. Do you remember the words of Jesus himself when he said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Each one that lives a life to bring glory to God will suffer in one way or another. People don't like to be reminded that they are sinners. People don't like being reminded that God will hold them responsible for what they do with Jesus. Paul brings up this topic again in his second letter to the saints at Thessalonica. In chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle with you when we were with you. Paul was reminding the saints that they ought to know how to imitate him as it relates to work. Paul goes on to remind them that they could imitate him because he had a strong work ethic. Sadly, we see some, and they promote that old adage, do what I say, not what I do. This was not Paul. Paul led by example, and so should we. Paul says in verse 9 of Second Thessalonians, It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Again, Paul was setting the example to follow, and so should we. In Ephesians 5 and 1, Paul also encourages the saints at Ephesus to be imitators of God as beloved children. One might say that Oscar Wilde promoted Paul's way of thinking. Do you remember that quote of Oscar Wilde I quoted at the beginning? He said, Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. Surely, if we read our Bibles, we can see, as Paul did, that we are mediocre at best, and truly not very good. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. In fact, if we read Romans chapter 3, we can see the heavenly charge sheet against each one of us. And to say that we are mediocre or not very good might perhaps be an overstatement of the truth. We are, at our core, wretched, vile sinners. And yet... We are encouraged to imitate God. What a marvel. What a wonder. We can imitate God. Now on to the word imitate. And I want to preface this little section with full disclosure that I am no Greek scholar. But I did find it interesting as I looked at the word imitate that it is only used six times in four verses in the New Testament. Three of the uses of this Greek word we have looked at already in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. It's twice in verse 7 and once in verse 9. Another use of this Greek word is in Third John chapter 1 and verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. John's epistles are loving family epistles, encouraging the family of God to live worthy lives to the glory of God and to hold fast to what they have been taught. John sums up the basics. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Even James, the brother of Jesus, reminds us that so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him It is sin, James chapter 4 and verse 17. Because of Adam and Eve, we have the knowledge of good and evil. So John encourages us to imitate good and not to imitate evil. The final use of the Greek word is in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 13 and verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. In Hebrews 11, in verse 1, we are told what faith is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We can be assured that an unchanging God will keep all of the promises outlined in the Bible. Promises like Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Promises like John chapter 3 and and verse 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Promises like John 10 and verse 28, I give my sheep eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Perhaps you can think of other promises that mean a lot to you. God will keep them all. In this age of senses and sensuality, when men and women, boys and girls gravitate towards the tactile and tangible, the writer of the Hebrews encourages us to look back to those who live by faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, Paul reminds us, For we walk by faith, not by sight. I guess we should stop and ask ourselves, are we? Are we really walking by faith and not? by sight. Are we looking up for a soon-coming Savior, or down at the cares and captivations of this world? In Hebrews 6 and 12, we have a similar verse that says, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Here, the writer reminds us that saints in the Old Testament were looking forward to certain promises that God had made to them, Promises such as Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This was a promise of a Savior. Or maybe Genesis 22 and verse 8, when Abraham says God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That was a promise of a sacrifice fulfilled in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Or how about Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 that says, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. The great promise of a substitute also that Jesus fulfilled. And there are so many more. These looked forward with faith and patience. We've already talked about faith, so let's look at patience in the second part of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. This patience or endurance, steadfastness, perseverance, is seen in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have some great examples of those who experience the grace of God in their lives, despite challenges or persecution. We're able to see... Their patience, their endurance, their steadfastness, their perseverance. People like Noah, who built an ark without ever having seen rain. That's Genesis 7. Or how about Noah who lived in an ark with two of every creature, those that were dangerous and other kinds of creatures. And that same Noah stayed in that ark for one year and ten days. That's patience. Some of us have been required to stay home because of COVID. And it's only been a month or maybe two months or maybe even three. But Noah Noah was in that ark for one year and ten days. Patience. Or how about Abraham? Who left his country to go to a land that he didn't know because God asked him. Or waited 25 years for God to fulfill a promise of a son. Or Abraham, again, who offered up his son, whom God had promised would bring Abraham a great seed. That was patience, endurance, steadfastness. Lastly, how about Joseph? Joseph believed the dreams that God gave him. He believed that God would see him through when he was sold by his brethren. And he believed God when he was in prison for two years. Two years, patience, endurance, steadfastness, perseverance. This is just to name a few. These men and women of Hebrews 11 showed great patience. Here's the verse again in Hebrews 6 and 12, so that you may know not to be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Each person in Hebrews chapter 11 had to look forward to a promise that God had made. Abraham had to look forward to God providing a lamb for the burnt offering. Noah had to look forward to salvation from the flood. And Joseph, he had to look forward to getting out of prison and having his brothers and family bow down before him. But they all trusted God, and the grace of God fulfilled the promises made to each one. And so God will fulfill his promises to us. But we need to be patient. We need to show endurance, steadfastness, and perseverance. They looked forward. Thankfully, we can look back to the cross. Knowing that Christ fulfilled his promises at the cross, he died, he was buried, he rose again, we know that he will fulfill his promise one day soon. He will come again. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We need patience, endurance, perseverance and steadfastness. To sum up, in Second Thessalonians chapter three, verses seven and nine, Paul encourages the saints to imitate him because he imitated Christ. So let's imitate Christ as well. In Third John, chapter one and verse 11, John encourages us to follow good and not evil. So let's imitate good and not evil. In Hebrews 13 and 7, the writer encourages us to imitate the faith of those who have gone before us. So let's imitate their faith, their patience, their endurance. These challenges may be a hard task. But with the grace of God, may we be able to be imitators of Christ and draw others to him.